Hey friend, thanks for listening. This is Just Dave on the California Country Show podcast. It's my first episode back from doing what I think has been really, really fun, getting our California Country Radio Show back on track, really, back on the air uh, right now. At this moment, we are on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio, every week on Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific, and you can check that out at klbp.org if you're not in the immediate Long Beach area. But at the time of this recording, I'm actually in talks to getting us on two more radio stations, which I'm very excited about because part of what I always wanted to do is basically play my friend's music and all those things that are associated with just being on a radio show. And this is something that we could do in the lockout studio. So hopefully you'll, you'll listen to those shows. And if you're tuning in because of that, welcome This is the interview podcast portion of the show. Right now, I've locked myself in a hotel room in Las Vegas. Just Dave Band is here playing Gillies for the weekend, and I am looking out the window at a pool party going on at the Treasure Island Hotel, and it looks like everyone's having a good time, but not me. I am here making this show happen and just sort of generally having a Bloody Mary and hanging out on one of our weekends out here. It's actually a really good opportunity to get this stuff done. So to kick off this new series, I'm interviewing Ted Russell Camp. I went to his home studio where he just finished making his 11th studio record called Walking Shoes. I asked him a few questions about that. It had something to do with just stories from the road. I may have overstepped my boundary in in assuming that that's what the record was about. But Ted's a great guy. And basically, you write about what you know about, right? So Ted definitely knows about being on the road. If you don't know Ted Russell Camp, he plays bass for Shooter Jennings and, and was part of that iconic album, Put the O Back in Country, or at least what I consider iconic and really starting, jump starting a lot of the outlaw country rock. Uh, scene that's out there today and Ted tells stories from the road with Shooter with his own uh, stuff and this interview with him um, he's got some cool stories he's got you know working with Tanya Tucker on her new record that Shooter is co-producing with Brandy Carlisle who they won a Grammy together for best vocal performance if you don't know Brandy Carlisle check her out and this being a return to my first interview radio show, you'll hear us maybe slap the table here and there, or, you know, if there's something funny or we're just emphasizing a point home. And there's a couple breaks in there. You know, Ted uh, was taking calls from his mother, who um, I met her many years ago when Ted and I were on the road together doing a weekend of shows. And she's just such a sweet lady, has Alzheimer's, so she kept forgetting that she had just spoken with Ted. And I don't think I included that in the actual interview show. Not only is he a great producer, songwriter, singer, and player, but he's also a great son to his mom and just an all-around good guy. I think in this conversation, we jump into it by me just pressing record, and I think at this point, we're discussing Game of Thrones. So if you haven't seen any Game of Thrones, there's some season one spoilers here. But seriously... If you are watching Game of Thrones and you are barely on season one, I, I really don't have any sympathy for you. Just, you know, finish, then we'll catch up. We, you know, we're, we're way beyond that. So, But I digress. Let's jump right in here. My interview with the great Ted Russell Camp. He's going to talk about bass playing, life on the road, really just cool stories. You're going to love it. Enjoy. But I totally missed Game of Thrones until the, I missed, actually, the every season. It was just happening, and I never watched, and I never cared. Mm-hmm. And then I watched a bunch of episodes so on American Airlines out. on flights this last year. Oh, you just, like, downloaded them to your... No, no, like, they had oh, they're season on? one as, you know, the, the TV screen in the back of the right. seat in front of you? So they had season one. That's... So over the course of last year touring, I watched all of season one. I was like, well, you, this is really good. You watched them on an airplane? On the airplane. Are there like people behind you in the in the seats that are... Everyone's watching a different movie. Oh, okay. They're next, all... Next they're to me, all... the person yeah. has Tyler Perry, and the other person is watching a Tom Hanks movie, and the next person is, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, which is pretty interesting, because it's pretty graphic, like when you're walking back from the bathroom... And watching people... And you watch people, someone you know, like, seeing... oh my God, there's nudity there. Like, <laughs> this 11-year-old girl could be walking down the aisle. Mm-hmm. They don't... But they don't care. Anyway, but then I got a... Wow, Mary. Pretty cool. I think Amazon Prime or something. So I was... I mean, I watched the entire extra six yeah. episodes, six seasons or whatever, like, over the last year. 
Like, while everyone else was frustrated and waiting for the last season to happen. Oh, yeah. That's the entire time I watched the show. So it's like, it's still brand, it's still fairly new in my life. This is an exciting time because, like, the the um, the show has surpassed the books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was, there was that time, I remember watching it, where people I would, you know, be friends with or work with would say, like, oh wait till next week I think something's coming or you know yeah, like they like know they're, they're reading they the stories and, and now it's like we're all on the same page we, we don't do it yeah anyway <laughs> no it's cool it's cool if you hear about a Game of Thrones <clears throat> watching party oh, let me know and if dude, I hear one I'll let you know cause, maybe I'll make one because it yeah. would be really fun to just get like five or eight people together and just watch and geek out and talk about it for an hour after the show the episode's over. Could you believe they did it? Right. Well, that's what you do. You got to have your uh, camera phone ready for like the, the the crazy moment when they kill off your favorite character. You know, just the yeah. flip out when Ed Stark died. Sorry for spoilers if you haven't watched uh, Game of Thrones. Okay, so we're here with Ted Russell Camp, and um, he has a new album out, which I like to think it's inspired by the road, which is why it's called Walking Shoes. Um, yeah. This is your 11th? Is 11th right? record. Jeez, dude. You play with a lot of different bands and stuff like that. Well, first of all, is Walking Shoes, am I right? Is it just like a collection of stories from the road? Is that a way to explain it? Uh, or? Kind of. It wasn't. It's not a concept album or anything. Oh, okay. But I do tour a lot and I travel a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and actually the first song that really helped inspire this record is called Home Away From Home. And I actually wrote it. I was on tour in Europe with a good friend of mine from LA, Pi Jacobs. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know her yeah. music. and but Play she's her music too, yeah. Wonderful and talented. So we did this duo tour together where we kind of backed each other up and traveling around. And then we were in uh, Vlardingen, Holland, which is a little town outside of Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. And these two great brothers, the Speck brothers, which uh, Speck means bacon in Dutch. So they're, the joke is they're the Dutch bacon brothers. <laughs> anyway, but they're this great duo. One guy plays kind of percussion, and the other one uh, plays dobro and electric guitar and acoustic guitar, and they're both great singers. Um, so the last three or four years, I go to Europe to do a solo tour pretty much every year and have for 10 or 12 years. Yeah. Um, and it's a real high point in my year. I love going there and reconnecting with old friends and some of the promoters and some of the fans and some of the DJs have, you know, are friends I look forward to seeing once a year. And Did you know, hit like the same towns when you go in, um, basically? It's usually about or? half brand new places uh -huh. and half either gigs I've done before in places I've been before where I can, you know, I'm touring alone most of the time. Yeah. So I can couch surf um, sometimes with the promoter, sometimes with the DJ, sometimes with a friend. So many of these rooms are familiar. Sometimes it's the same friend and the same promoter, but at a new venue. But it's the same, you know, the same 25 people from Udavella, Sweden will yeah. be at the gig because they, they dig my music and know about me from last year and the year before. And like for um, Europe's, like those towns are kind of pretty close together. I mean, like people can go see you in multiple towns, yes. multiple nights and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that definitely happens. That definitely That's happens. Wild. Um, yeah. uh, because America is so big, we're bigger, we're more likely to make a two or three hour drive to get to a gig. Yeah. Um, and like that. if you get to Montana and uh, like other places in the country where uh, people are used to driving long distances. Like, it's mm -hmm. not uncommon to have someone drive four or five hours to come to see you play in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or something like that. Right. But in Europe, the distances are smaller. So, you know, someone from Amsterdam can come and see me in a few different places within a one-hour drive or two-hour drive. I'll usually rent a car, rent a car in Amsterdam, drive mm -hmm. around Holland and Germany for a week, fly to Sweden, rent another car, drive around Sweden for a week, sometimes Norway, too. Uh, then I'll fly again to Helsinki, and do Finland for a while. Sometimes it's Spain, sometimes it's France. It's, it's kind of different every tour. Um, but on this tour, uh, Pi was with me, and we had a gig with the Dutch Bacon Brothers. The Dutch Bacon and, Brothers. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I and I had written with them before and done a few shows with them before, so we decided to get together and try to write a song and hang out for the afternoon before a gig we had. And we're just sitting there, and I was so excited to see them again mm -hmm. and introduce Pi to all, my, all these friends and contacts they already had. And I was like, we just have to write a song called Home Away From Home, because that's exactly how I feel right now. It is awesome to be back on this tour. Nice. And to be back, we're staying at a, staying at a friend's place who promoted that show. Her name is Yolanda Hanskorf. She's wonderful. Um, and so we're four old friends and a new friend all hanging out. So we just write this song, Home Away From Home. Um, and it just kind of affected, and it just kind of, a, you know when you're feeling something for a long time and mm -hmm. you don't really have words for it, you're just living your life. And sometimes it happens when you're songwriting, sometimes when you're like reconnecting with an old friend um, and you're just kind of talking about something that happened. You go, oh my God, that's a, that's a pretty beautiful 
thing, and I now have words yeah. to describe yeah, it. Say, you haven't conceptualized the idea yet, but when it just starts coming out, it's like this yeah. dam bursts, and, and you've got just, yeah. it, it, it's all there. And so when collecting. that when we wrote that song in like an afternoon, um, I started thinking about that a lot, and I enjoyed the rest of that tour kind of in that context. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, when, and you know, the other 11 months of the year, I'm either touring on my own or touring a lot. I play bass with Shooter Jennings and have for many of course, years. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or a lot of the, the freelance musical life when I'm producing or playing bass with people. I mean, I've played bass with you. And it's like, we, yeah. often, we often don't see each other for months at a time. And then when we show yeah. up on a gig together, <clears throat> We're like old friends catching up, and oh, how you been? And da 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 da. Like we we're just talking about Game of Thrones for a minute. Like yeah, no, we you... separately, we separately live these lives, and then we come together. I mean, and, for people who don't know, I mean, you, you and I have been friends for for years and running kind yeah. of in similar circles, you know. And yeah. I, um, one thing I'm I'm always impressed with you about is that you take every gig very very seriously you want to know what songs i'm playing or I'll, I'll send you the material yeah and just just knowing your schedule i mean for those who don't know ted and follow him online and of course he's playing with multiple bands which hopefully i'll cut an intro for earlier okay okay tell. do all the name <laughs> you know do all that you know you take the time even on one of my gigs in fact i think the last gig we played together was was maybe that rodeo was it san maria rodeo yeah yeah that was great last game. year's rodeo and like um I'm just so impressed that you will take songs that you just haven't heard before. And everyone's got different lists, of course, and take the time to learn them or chart them or read the charts or have them ready for you. Is that the mark of a professional musician? What do you um, I think so. Um, I, I, I mean, of course, music used to be my hobby when I was a kid. Yeah. And then at the end of college, I was always, wow, this is the thing I really love most. I got to give it a shot. And the detail and care that I took to learn Rush songs when I was 13... Mm -hmm. And when, you know, the first drummer I was playing with when I was 14 who turned me onto the Rolling Stones. It's like the detail and care that I tried to learn these songs so I could show up at rehearsal the next day and not look like a fool. Right. But really play along. Um, I still give. And now, um, you know, when, and you know this, once you play music or do any, anything for a long time, you get better at it. And your, your antenna get subtler. So oh, yeah. when I hear a song, like when, like when I have to learn a new song, I, I don't want to just like hear it once on the radio and be like, oh, I, I can follow it. I know the chord changes. It'll be, I know most of the chord changes and just I'll watch you when we get to the bridge because I don't know what that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to, I want to be prepared and I want to have it. I want to have the chance to make incredible music. And that comes with, with a decent amount of preparation. Like I remember years ago when I was maybe like 28, 29, 30 and all of my buddies, or most of my buddies from my high school and college bands were one by one deciding not to play music professionally anymore. Yeah, dropping out. Well, because it's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to just do, find 50 and $70 a night gigs to try to make $2,000 a month. Right. But then you're kind of stuck living like a college kid for many years. And it's, it's, it's a real challenge to figure out what to do next to be good enough to go to the le next level and politically and socially aware enough to figure oh, yeah. out who to hang out with and what shows to go to and who to meet and how to make more than, you know, $1,800 a month so you can barely cover your bills and live in a funky apartment, which was yeah. awesome for most of my 20s. But then once you get to that level, that next place, you're like, okay, some, some people are figuring it out and some people are not, <laughs> you know? And, and one of the things I would always say is um, you just got to care about each show and each relationship matters. And some gig where you're getting $50 and you're going to sub and you have to learn 10 new songs, like mm -hmm. that guy could be your main gig next year. In fact, here's a, here's a good Hollywood kind of story. Most of my best gigs I've ever had came through my funkiest, weirdest gigs that I almost didn't do. Because you're doing you're like 11 o'clock at the Cat Club on a Tuesday and you're like, oh, and I got to learn a lot of the music. But then you do well. And then the guy who's in the band before you, who's hanging out, having an extra drink after their set, was like, I like this guy's energy. He's playing great. And then this guy gets your phone number. And then all of a sudden, Dude, yeah. you're, playing in a, you're playing in another touring band in a month. Or you're just on their list and they call you for a session you, two yeah. months later. And then it, it can evolve into this great friendship or this great gig. And actually, there's, there's another side of it. There's been times with you when you called and said, hey, we haven't played in a year. I got a gig, you know, this coming Friday. My other guy backed out or right. we got a gig last minute. And I'll say, I don't have the time to prepare. I can't learn 20 new songs right. and, do, and do the show justice. 
you know what I mean? And and, and you've always been very, you're like, yeah, I understand. I respect that. But as a band leader, yeah. too, like, it's my job to be like, do I have anything that he knows in his old arsenal? Yeah, totally. You know, so, totally. you know, it works both ways. And you ways, can juggle that as know? a band leader, totally. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you know every, you, you, you'll find new songs that you're into that you've gotten into, whether they're classics or new songs that you've written, mm-hmm. uh, and also new songs that you know the audience is going to want to hear. You've got to stay current, and it's got to change. Oh, yeah. You know? Everything evolves. Um, uh, but doing the job, doing the job well and caring and committing is a big part of oh yeah of uh how i've been able to continue as kind of a career musician all these years well i think your base you know and I, i've said this away from you so oh, i'm okay. not saying okay. this this is not lip service here i don't know if it has anything to do with your time with shooter jennings Waylon's son but like i consider your bass playing in my opinion like the epitome of what country bass is oh thank you and i, I give people like your playing as an example and I have this weird thing, and maybe you can talk about this, but my I always tell bass players, especially in kind of the scene that I'm in, where there's a lot of young up-and-coming guys yeah, yeah. that are doing, um, you know, pop country. We're trying to figure out what kind of country they play. Yeah. And I think the secret to country bass playing is the length of the note. And I, I don't, I don't know right. if you feel like what what is the, you know, what makes country, because we could have this talk about multiple instruments, but just on bass, yeah. like what do you... How do you feel? What is country bass? You know, like what is what is that oh. to you? Well, it's got to be supportive. Um, often in the history of country music, a lot of bass is very simple, and is mm. part of the mantra of the sound of the music. A lot of country historically is about that lead vocal. Sometimes, like a, here's a, a great example: is maybe like Dwight Yoakam's uh, group and and the Bakersfield music that he based his new sound mm-hmm. on is the is the going between the vocal and that lead guitar or the vocal and that pedal steel yeah or in some groups it'll be the vocal and that lead fiddle um and so the bass has to be kind of simple and repetitive um i also love this whole paul mccartney and john paul jones and jamie jamerson stuff mm-hmm. where the bass can be very bouncy and very melodic so i try to find ways to bring that melodic thing into oh, yeah. a classic sound. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the Jackson 5 stuff, you know, some of the oh, yeah, yeah. Lines, uh, oh, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I mean, back in the... When you're talking about country, I mean, like, I... I don't know if I... If, if it's Buck Owens' thing, but, like, he was kind of chastised in his early career for adding, basically, drums. That's rock band stuff, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to country. That was very risky and very California. I mean, bass actually, was the drums, yeah. was it? I mean, yes. in many ways, right? Well, cla- so. Think about the classic Johnny Cash or the classic Elvis. Like, there are a lot of the stuff, there's no drums. Yeah. Boom, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, country bass is, is, is elusive. Um, one of the things that brought me to country music, and that kind of brings me repeatedly to country and also kind of singer-songwriter music, is mm-hmm. it's honest and it's real. Um, and even in a situation like a classic country song by someone maybe like George Jones who didn't really write their own music mm-hmm. they have a way of taking a song that they found or heard and they relate to it so much and they sing it like it's their own that's one of the one of the one of my favorite things about Waylon Jennings is yeah. that sometimes he wrote these incredible autobiographical songs and sometimes he would find these other songs and you would you would never doubt in a million years that he didn't write it he did it from such this honest yeah. storytelling kind of place. Um, well, that's the old story with uh, him and Billy Joe Shaver, like their yeah, yeah. tumultuous relationship because mm-hmm. uh, Billy Joe wrote, you know, so many that, great that songs. That whole Honky Tonk Heroes record. The Honky Tonk Heroes yeah. record. Yeah, and that yeah. gave Whalen kind of a new narrative and helped, and, and that was also right around the era when Whalen was really becoming a star. Yeah. And so people kind of took those stories really personally and really to heart, you know, and helped kind of helped country music evolve. Oh, that was a big you part know? of it, yeah. Yeah. So, Spain on the on the Jennings thing, of course, with with Shooter. I mean, you're on the cover of the iconic "Put the O Back in Country," which well, is thank you for saying it's iconic. I that's think serious. It's, I mean, I believe it's yeah. iconic, and the reason why I believe it's iconic, not only because I mean that was I think that's his best selling record to date. But I it, think it might be. That was our first record we mm-hmm. did. It was 2005, and. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. At the time, it had almost gone gold. So yeah. It was like four hundred and fifty or four hundred sixty thousand copies. Hard copies. Um, 
Those are actual yeah, <laughs> CD. No, maybe not. Uh, yeah, CDs and What's albums. A CD. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe cassettes. That might have been way after cassettes. But yeah, that was a that was a great record. It was a powerful band. We mm-hmm. were just kind of inventing our sound. We all took great pride in trying to do justice to the roots, um, but combine country with rock and kind of be ourselves at the same time. Yeah. And actually, that song. Uh, that album had Steady at the Wheel, which is one of the songs that I wrote. Right. And it was our second hit from that record. And that really helped set me up to to start making albums and touring on my own and all that stuff. Like, I was already kind of recording and writing a lot in head mm-hmm. bands. But it was the kind of the, su- su- the success of that song that really helped us and helped me kind of create this... Uh, just give me the confidence to try to make more of my own records and start telling my story more and be like, oh, well, people want to hear this. How does one start getting that road trip, you know, going, flying over to Europe, getting your album out there, getting your, your stuff out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what is there a secret to this? Like, uh... Uh, Well, it's not, it's not, in a way, it's not that different from playing in the States. Um, you just kind of have to find a gig and then get there um, to, do, to do the <laughs> yeah. gig, you know, and just do that and repeat the cycle. It's like tour support in the back of the van. You just got to follow the other band around. In a way, in a way. Um, but what happened with me is I put my first kind of Americana-y singer-songwriter album called North-South out right around the time that Shooter did. And as radio stations were playing it, I would call, I would find out and I would call and thank the DJ every time, every time, every time, uh, go. Good notes, every kids. time I got a, an email from some DJ saying, oh, I'm, I'm da 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 in Stuttgart. Can you send me your CD? I've been hearing about it. And a lot of, a lot of these DJs and radio stations, um, and writers too, and, and just fans of music, we look to other radio stations and other magazines or blogs to find new stuff. Yeah. And so enough of these people started hearing about my name and my music, and every time I got an email from someone in Europe that said, hey, can you send me an album? I would send them an album the next day. I would email them, and then if, and they would send you some kind of playlist and of course it's these weird playlists in other towns you never heard of in other countries you can't speak the language oh, so you're like okay is this some local guy doing like ham radio in his bedroom or is this a real station but I would stay in touch with all of them uh, and then after a while I would say okay well if I was to get a gig in your country or near you that you could come to where would it be and some would say oh these are the these are the two or three venues or this is the big promoter uh, this guy brought over Hayes Carl last month, uh, and then I would just keep this, these running folders in my computer of lists of all these people. And then, mm-hmm. um, we actually did a tour. We did one tour with Shooter in Europe uh, in 2007, I believe it was, and it was a pretty intense two-week trip. We played a gig every night. We were on a plane almost every single day, going to the next place, um, and I believe it was. Six of the promoters, six of the ten promoters we worked with, kind of took me aside and said, "Hey, I've heard, I've been hearing about your music, and I already own a couple of your records. And whenever you can come back to Spain, let me know. I want to give you a gig." Nice. I emailed everyone and said, "All right, great. We got we got the winner off with Shooter. We're like we're not working December and January." And so I said, "If I come over on January fifth, what do you got? What can we do between January fifth <laughs> and January twenty fifth?" Um, and almost all of those people came through. With a gig or two, sure, yeah, and then and then it's just about okay. Well, now what do I do? I got to research the rest of the gigs and, and yeah, fill, fill, in, fill your dates, fill yeah, in yeah. my three days off between this one and that one. And so you just kind of do more research and you ask around, um, and you put it together. 
Yeah. And it's like, and now when I'm touring in the U.S. or I'm touring in Europe, not every gig is a big glamorous concert experience. Um, some are groovy little pubs, uh, uh, but there are always a handful of the bigger ones, uh, and it's you know it's just great to travel and get your music out there. The anchor gigs, and, and it's like, but I'll try to fly over to Europe, and I'll do like eighteen shows in nineteen days, and if each of them, you know, pays a minimum of two or three hundred bucks in a hotel room, yeah, then that's that's good money for the month. I can justify being away, and also. Uh, you know, support the new music and make friends. And uh, anyway, and that leads me back to the Home Away From Home song um, and this whole record, which um, I had two or three songs where the road or walking or traveling mm -hmm. became a real metaphor. Sam Morrow on, uh, yep. on Sirius XM. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. getting a lot of play right That's now. That's pretty awesome. So We're... thank you to uh, Jeremy Tepper and Elizabeth Cook and Shooter Jennings for spinning Paid yeah. by the Mile. Oh, Shooter played it too. I haven't heard it on his show yet. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I get so proud of my friends. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to be played, and especially to get like some some list from a DJ of the, the stuff on their show. And then there's you surrounded by three or four acts you've never heard of, but also mm -hmm. surrounded by like... The new Rodney Crowell song, and then a Willie Nelson song, and then a, you know, Alison Krauss tune, and, you know, uh, uh, the new Steve Earle album. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's, it's pretty wonderful to think that, that the songs we write and the music we make can be, can be presented in a setting like that, and it's not like I'm the, I'm the weird, uh, the, the weird one that sticks out as being the weird unprofessional one. No. So it's great. It's, really it's wonderful great to get that. the airplay and get the support. And get a good press. So, what do you find the time to write then? If you're, um, I mean, booking tours that takes a lot of time. Yeah, you know, family, yeah, um, yeah. actually gigging. I know you're going to be going to a recording session right now, too, yeah. right? <laughs> later, later today, I have a session. Actually, people are coming here. Thank oh, they are. Yeah. Oh, sick. yeah. We're now in, we're now actually. So, thank you again for coming over to my place. This we're in we are in the den, which is my home studio. Yeah, so man. I got, I got some people coming over today, and I'm, I'm producing a great record uh, for a woman named Emily Zuzik. A wonderful oh, singer yeah. and songwriter. Okay, cool. We've been friends for a few years. She sang a little bit of harmony on my record. I see that. And yeah. I've been uh, producing her new record. And so we're kind of doing the last bit of overdubs and harmony vocals and stuff. And it's really becoming a great record. So keep an eye for that. You get brought in from Shooter because I know he's starting to produce a lot of albums yeah. too, right? So what are, you were on. Did you do the Duff McKagan record? No. Actually, oh, you didn't? Okay. No, most of the time when Shooter, and actually our brand, our new band with Shooter that we've had going for a couple years, yeah. really started in the studio when Shooter started producing more four or five years ago. Yeah. And so he started bringing me in to play um, and then started asking me to, to, like, hey, who's a good drummer who'd be good for this? And who's a good violinist? So I think I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I brought in my good yeah, friends. Kind of assembled this Jamie band, Douglas yeah. and Arby Richmond. So a lot of my favorite players in L.A., Ended up in the Shooter band, right on. Um, but Shooter would produce probably three or four records with us as our team was evolving, um, and then um, he finally said, "Hey, this is becoming so cool and artful that I got to make a new record with these people. This needs to be the new touring band." And so, oh, it's still, um, still buzzing. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, get it, I'll get it soon. Um, uh, and yeah, I was like, "And this, so this needs to be the new touring band." So that that evolved into the band. It's me, Aubrey. Jamie Douglas and John Schreffler. John mm -hmm. is a wonderful guitarist and steel player and songwriter too. And uh, John joined the band with Shooter for a couple years in like 2010, 2011. Right. Um, uh, yeah, Leroy was in it before. Leroy, yeah, Leroy was our first guitarist. Then we had a few other guitar players over the years. And then when John joined, it kind of cemented everything. Yeah, he's great. Um, 
and so yeah, we we did a, we did a few of these records, and so we played. Actually, we were just in the studio yesterday with, with Shooter. There's a, a great artist, Leroy Virgil. Uh, the name the name the band name is Hellbound Glory. So we oh, yeah, we yeah. all recorded on his last record, um, and now this is going to be the new record. Um, we're recording later this month with Jamie Wyatt. It was a wonderful L.A. Oh, she do another record. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be that band. We're recording that in a couple of weeks. Um, we did a great record for Julie Roberts. Um, uh, Tommy Townsend is another one. Tommy is the lead singer of the Waymores, the Waylon, the Waylon's old players, mm-hmm. with the new great singer Tommy Townsend. So they toured doing mostly Waylon songs, uh, but Tommy's a great songwriter too. So we we all played on his record. Um, and then we've we've got another new shooter record almost entirely done and in the can. Um, the Duff McKagan record is a really great one, but I didn't play on it uh-huh. uh, because Duff, of course, is a pretty incredible bass player. <laughs> so I can understand him wanting to play bass yeah. on his own. Well, record. I didn't know if he would maybe like, yeah. you know pick up the guitar, or, uh, you know, do do that. When, but we're going to be touring with Duff starting in a, in uh, in May, and uh, and I'll play bass. Duff is going to sing and play acoustic guitar. Hey, let me grab this. Okay? Yeah, yeah, this is, do your thing. This is my mom. Remember. Not to interrupt the, uh, the 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 Duff conversation, but with your with your mom, she took us. You were playing with me at the Maverick Saloon. That's right, and she and came she out took us the... to that really great dinner. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and she was so sweet. God, it was awesome. She still has that same joyous, very New York energy. Yeah, but Alzheimer's is progressing more. So right, she like so... she might call me in five minutes, forgetting that we just spoke. Oh, so she was like. Are you going to come by now? Are you coming by now? Yeah, I don't know. No, wanna... Mom, I said I had an interview and I'm working today. I can't come by today, but she'll call. She'll forget. That's fine. Yeah, of course. So, anyway, thanks for letting me interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And then I know Shooter won a Grammy with uh, with Brandy uh, Carlisle. Yes, he did. Shooter and Brandy, or Shooter and Dave Cobb produced the oh, new Dave Brandy Cobb. record. Oh, Dave Cobb, okay. That just got some Grammys. Um, but amazing. here's a great Brandy story. Um, Shooter... Uh, was going to produce the new Tanya Tucker record. I did hear about and this. And so after a while, he had befriended Brandy, of course, and said, hey, I'm going to produce the new Tanya Tucker. And, and Brandy just flipped out. She grew up singing Tanya Tucker songs and like talent shows when she was nine and stuff like that and loved it. So we just made a new record, which is Shooter and me on bass, uh, Chris and Eleanor Masterson are, are uh, on, in the band, um, and Phil and Tim, who are these super talented twins who play with Brandy all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and Brandy, and uh, Chris Powell, wonderful drummer from oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nashville. Uh, one of Dave's guys, one of Dave Cobb's uh, guys. Yeah. yeah, he left He left the Dave Cobb session world to be in the Brandy Carlisle band. Oh, really? So he's touring with them now. Anyway, so that was the band, and we recorded the new Tanya Tucker record maybe a couple months ago. Oh, my god! And it sounds awesome, and whenever it comes out, you need to get it. It's, Dude. It is righteous. And yeah. Brandy, Brandy's heart and soul are all over the record. Everyone played great. Tanya's, wow, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get to play with a singer that heavy. Yeah. And uh, instinctive, and her just phrasing is just so rich and human <laughs> yeah. and unbelievable, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that, and we just did that at, at, uh, uh, at Sunset Sound, Maybe a couple months ago. Oh my gosh! And Can't that's wait. co-produced by Shooter and Brandy. That's their first co-production. That's their little their little team up. Yeah, oh, yeah it was so it was awesome. a magical couple weeks. Yeah, that's cool. What do you learn from people like like Shooter or Dave Cobb or when you because I I know Dave got produced put the O back in country. Yeah, he produced the first four or five Shooter records. Okay. that I played on. Um, like, you learn you kind of you learn something from everyone. Some people are more about vibe and energy. Some people are very specific about details um uh brand one of brandy's great great gifts was just kind of understanding storytelling like she would do numerous like she coached tanya on doing a lot of the vocals wow and so she would say stay mellow here get big here get spoken here you know like you know how there's an old country thing where Ellen whalen will do it a lot willie do it a lot where you go a long time forgotten by the way you kind of let that last that line yeah. kind of float down into nothing. And and Brandy was like, no women do that. And Tanya, you should. That would be great. And oh, so every, yeah. and like, let it let it fall off. Don't worry about being such a beautiful singer. Because that... Yeah, don't belt every you've note. You've got like, the, heart, yeah. the heart of the conversational intimacy when you kind of do that more. Uh, and so Brandy, it was just like wonderful to watch her and Tanya work together getting the phrasing and the energy and 
subtleties of the melodies. Um, oh man! Uh, you kind of learn something. You you learn something from everyone, uh, and everyone has their own kind of personal style to how they play, or are a band member, or are a band leader, or are a record producer. Yeah. Um, when I produce records, um, I I I've been a songwriter a lot too. A lot of producers are not really songwriters, so they can focus more on the overall story and then the instrumentation. Um, I really like digging into the songs and saying, hey, this, uh, uh, you know, great, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I'll help rewrite the entire song with someone. Sometimes I'll say, hey, this is a really personal statement that I feel like you need to say. This doesn't need to be a co-write. But I feel like this third verse, you just went for the cheap rhyme. I right. wouldn't say this. Maybe I wouldn't say it. You wouldn't as, say it that way, maybe. As blatantly but... <laughs> to the, into the face of the person who wrote the song. I would. But I'll, I'd say like, hey, it feels like the second and third verse, you're kind of saying the same things with different words and different yeah. rhymes. Why don't, wh what can we say in the third verse to go to the next level with this song? Or give us another perspective or make it more interesting or, uh, and then let the, let the person kind of take it home and yeah. work on it and think about it. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, that, that, this chorus is great, but the, word, the verse doesn't really have anything to do with it. What are, you, what, are you, what are you going for? Where are you coming from? And then I can help try to make the songs better before we even begin recording them and bringing in players and mm -hmm. figuring out if it's going to be fast or slow or rocking or ballady or whatever. Um, and that's... Uh, anyway, that's something I love doing. But you learn you, you definitely learn something from everyone and their approach. Mm -hmm. um, and also everyone's approach kind of changes a little bit from year to year. Oh, yeah. People you know change. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say we don't, but yeah. Well, because I... I feel like you know right now, and I'm I'm in that you know I got to co-write tomorrow, and then, uh, oh, no good. today I got to co-write today maybe we'll see how that works. But I feel like just fitting in life and doing all these things like oh, yeah you oh know, the long the, the, I I didn't even avoid I, I didn't even answer the question how do I find time to write or when do I write oh that's true we did um, ask that question uh, a long time well, ago. well I write <laughs> I I definitely think in terms of music a lot I I often get like when I'm driving from one place to another I'll think of a phrase. And I'll just try to remember it. Sometimes uh -huh. I write it into my phone. But Sometimes I write phone, it yeah. on a piece of paper or a napkin or my com computer. Do you sing into your phone? Or um, uh... I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Most of those ideas end up not becoming songs. Most of those are kind of... I find... Uh, I've, I've had a few friends over the years that, like, they'll never write an idea down. They figure if it's good enough, you'll remember They'll remember it. it. Um, and that's kind of what happens. I still I still write them down and record them into the voice memos yeah. of the phone. But I find that the good ones just stick with you. Um, sometimes it's a concept. Sometimes it's something I'm going through. Like like uh, a lot of the songs on the new record, I had the rough idea for. Um, and then I had to think about it and focus it. Um, but I mm -hmm. work a lot. And I got a family, too. So I don't have a lot of free time. I can't just sit. I, I almost never just say, I'm going to give myself an hour or two to sit at the piano or sit at the guitar and write a song in my living room. Um, so a lot of those are co-writes. There are more co-writes. I was going to say, I, I have not seen yeah. this many co-writes from you. And I have, like, four of your records. Yeah, so no, there I, are more co-writes on this record. I think out of the 13 songs, 11 are co-written. Uh-huh. So, so, like, here's a great example of Paid by the Mile. I had, to, I had the idea, and I had about... I think I had the verse and most of the chorus, maybe a second verse. Um, and then I wanted to get together to write with Sam Morrow, who's mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, and I said, hey, I got this idea paid by the mile. So he, so I wrote two-thirds of that song, and he helped me finish it. Um, uh, there are other songs that started as co-writes, like the old Nashville style where you get together for a morning. Uh, the two, uh, there's, uh, there's a great song on there, two, two with Carrie Ott, who's a great Nashville writer. Mm -hmm. A little artier than many in Nashville, which is, I think, maybe one of the reasons we bonded. Right. Uh, but his, his albums are great. Um, but we'll start a song, and then often I'll finish it later. Like, I'll, like when I think about, okay, well, we wrote this kind of to be a, a more general song in Nashville for some other artist to do, but I really love the idea. And sometimes I'll kind of personalize the verses a little more, change a few lines here and there. Um, and yeah, kind of make it my own, record, so obviously. it becomes my album, my version. <laughs> right, you know, and I, yeah. and I love it when I love it when you hear different versions of songs and they change a few lyrics here and there. They, they the, some guy did an entirely different third verse than the other the other. Yeah, artists, you know what I mean? uh, um, took the bridge out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of my writing I've been doing in the last couple of years is co-writes because I won't give myself the time, mm -hmm. but I will plan the time with someone else so we can bond and have. A, you know, continue our musical relationship or create a new one and write together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are sometimes, like there, there was a record I did a while back um, 
uh, called The Low and Lonesome Sound, which was almost entirely bass and singing. Right. And there were a couple songs on that. I was doing a tour through the Southeast, and it was May, so it was just like stunningly beautiful weather and just like all of those hillsides in West Virginia and Kentucky, and, and it was awesome. Um, and I decided I'm not going to pick up a guitar or write anything down. I'm just going to drive along and write these songs as I sing them, which will also help them be simpler. You know, like sure. when, you, when you have a guitar in your hand, you could come, oh, well, let's add this cool chord, or how about this, and let's go here. And sometimes your fingers do the talking, and the riffs do the, the riffs you already know do it's the like writing. A stream of consciousness. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to let these be really simple and let, like, try to come up with cool bass riffs that I could sing to myself. Dude. And then come up with the melody and the words little by little. Um, and they actually, a couple of those tunes evolved more into soul tunes because the bass was kind of driving the... James The, ba- the bass yeah. riff was leading the way. <laughs> um, and some of them had this kind of dusty Springfield, son of a preacher man kind of a vibe. Rise like sunrise on the ocean And she holds the hope of midnight in her smile Every time she's here, I get the notion That we could have forever for a while She's just looking for a little bit of time to borrow And maybe a couple of arms to hold her tight she don't ever worry about tomorrow Cause she's got everything she needs right here tonight I never know when she's gonna show But she's always right on time She never says too much But when she does, how it lingers on my mind you know she's always been the one to pour just one more glass of wine she won't ever be mine but she's my rainy day valentine so when you tour do you take a guitar and a bass with you is it back and forth yeah okay when i when i tour i'll bring an acoustic guitar and an electric bass and when i'm playing with a band i play with the bass and sing when I'm playing solo, I'll usually do about two-thirds of the show on acoustic guitar and singing, and then I'll do two or three songs in the middle or somewhere where I'm just playing electric bass and singing. Do you just grab a band, like in a town? Um, I used to be more liberal about grabbing a band in a town. <laughs> and I found that I would rather have a really good professional version of my solo show than a pretty good bar band version of my full band show. Right. Something suffers. Uh, And so I end up kind of doing more covers and not doing all the songs I want to do because I put in the simpler ones so that the guys can immediately gel and sound good on them. I have done a lot of great touring with bands. And usually that ends up being with some new people, but some older guys that I've been friends with and they've toured with me before. I now have eight or ten great musicians in Austin and Fort Worth that I've already played with. That have that already kind of know my vibe and mm-hmm. uh, know a lot of the songs, so I'll be like, "Hey, here's five new songs from the new record. We're going to do these fifteen from the old records, and here are five covers we're going to throw in." I'm into this, you know, you know, this weird random Bob Dylan song I fell in love with, so we're going to try this one this tour. So it's not it's not the full on Chuck Berry where you've got a new band in each town. Yeah, right. We're going to play some Chuck but, Berry songs, but it's a little more. Uh, it's it's just more focused. Just make it yeah. easier. One That's one great. thing I'd like to say: there's a song called "Written in Stone" on the new record, which I recorded. There goes the CD. <laughs> I recorded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one. There, one of the songs on the new record is called "Written in Stone," which I recorded in Helsinki. Oh. Um, there's an unbelievably group of three musicians I've played with now. Every time I go to Finland, uh, uh, Tommy Vixton, Tokela, and Janai Havistu, and we just I I probably met met them seven or eight years ago so every year when i go back to helsinki we have this like two or three or four gig reunion um and one one time we did it and recorded for a day and so one of those tunes is actually like you know recorded in helsinki and then finished here in la well do you want to play a song while we're uh uh speaking of some tunes yeah totally okay um should i do one alone or should you do you want to join me on one Uh, i'm happy to join you tuned up here yeah yeah 
Cool. All right. What are you playing? You can give me a little bit of, uh, a, of an intro. Here. This is a new song on the new record. It's called This Old Guitar. Uh, and it's not directly about the road the way many of the songs on the album are. But it's about uh, when you travel. We as musicians, we often have an old guitar or something we really trust and rely on. And it's like an old friend. And uh, you think about all the gigs you've done with a specific guitar or a drum set or uh, mic even, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, yeah, it, it, it pulls you through. Some days when I'm alone and I feel like the world doesn't understand me, I can just pick up a guitar and play, and it, it, it responds the way a sympathetic friend would. So I, I wrote this one with Ed Tree, who's a wonderful L.A. musician. Um, and here it is, the slow guitar. pages of the stories we've been through the lonely nights and teardrops bad chords and busted amps songs of love and danger broken hearts and sweet romance this old guitar it ain't done just yet And even a bruise or two When the finish has worn down The bare wood will have to do She knows just what I'm thinking And she plays just what I feel Like there is a part of me That's made of wood and steel This old guitar Look at us performing. Performing it early in the morning. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> We're doing it. I know noon is when I get my voice, but I kind of like this, you know, getting up in the morning and yeah. and doing a radio show because I get that little extra. The night before, you know, had a gig the night before rasp. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't push totally. that one. I can't tell you how many times I've had a friend who they show up at some rehearsal or something in the morning and they're kind of sick and they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah. you sound awesome. They're like, oh, I just woke up. Or like when it's a woman, you're like, wow, you sound like... Uh, you sound like Emmett Bergman. This is awesome. Yeah. I love your voice. It's sultry. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've been putting out my own records for a long time. I try to do one record a year. Sometimes I don't have the money or the time so that it becomes every other year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been an independent artist for most of this time. There have been a couple records that were licensed by Dual Tone. It's a wonderful 
an artistic label and they were great. But for the most part, it's me uh, putting out the records when I can and acting like an indie label. You know, like I have to make sure the quality control is there for the music, whether yeah. it's the make sure I have enough good songs. There are actually a couple songs on this album that were recorded for earlier records, but they didn't make the cut. And that doesn't mean they were bad songs, but they didn't fit with the vibe of the record. That's funny because I'm going, yeah, I did the same thing. I go through, you know, old notebooks. So I've got a yeah. shelf um, back. I, I love just paper to pen and yeah, yeah. I buy myself a special notebook. I don't know if I do it yearly. I kind of do it whenever I kind of run out of pages or mm -hmm. um, if there's like seven or eight pages that are blank and I feel like I'm on a writer's block. Well, I'll put that notebook away and I'll buy myself a new one just to get inspired. So it like, feels oh, empty. Here's, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah here's, a, here's a blank slate I can start with. And I'll go through these old things and be like, half of me will say like, oh, that was a pretty good idea. Maybe I should develop that more. And a lot of me is just like, oh, you stupid kid. You, you didn't know any better. You, you smug 20-year-old, you know. It's fun uh, <laughs> when you find old lyrics. And, and I've had a, and actually the song, there's a solo bass song, which is bass and vocals on this record called Highway Whisper. And on that song, I started with this friend Carriott in Nashville I told you about. We, we probably started writing the song eight or nine years ago. Mm. And I loved the idea of Highway Whisper, but I didn't know what it wanted to be. And it was like a pretty good song. And I, I would keep revisiting it to try to put it on a record. And it never made the grade. And so as this record was really getting to be close to completion, and I was like, okay, it's a song about the road. It's a song about the, the journey rather than the destination. It's yeah. a song about missing your home and trying to figure out who you are while you're doing these other things. Some of the songs are about the joy of traveling uh, or the, this old guitar. It's about the instrument and the heart you try to go through life with. Right. When I first moved to L.A., I was playing, ba I was playing bass more than being an artist at all. Um, and I kind of fairly quickly realized I would rather play music I like with people who have a ton of heart and believe in what they're doing than go for the big money gig, mm -hmm. making music that's not going to make me happy, that I'm not going to enjoy. Um, I, didn't, I never do that enough to the point where, where I'm not going to make a living. I still right. want to make a living. And thankfully, I've been able to find this cool... Uh, niche between the roots music and Americana and uh, songwriter music and country. Um, so, but but the, like a major shift in my career and mindset happened after a few years of living in LA, when I realized okay, I don't want to, I don't want to play in some pop punk band because they're going to pay me well. Right. You know? I was and and there was one there was one particular audition that they asked me that this one uh, there was this one kind of talent scout in LA who finds bands for famous people and contacts for labels and stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to enjoy this music. You should find someone who does. When you have something that sounds like the Counting Crows or Sheryl Crow or the Wallflowers or something, right. call me. And I, and I knew right before I said those words, I was like, this guy's never going to call me again once I tell him. You knew that conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's kind of like <clears throat> then within a year, I started getting known as one of the Roots Music guys. And then within another year... Shooter needed a new bass player, and and two different friends of his recommended. Oh, you got to call Ted. See, and so yeah. it's like you, when you when you kind of uh, narrow down your focus and decide to try to get really good and specialized and and hopefully more satisfied by what you're doing. That's another, that's when great stuff happens. Yeah, jeez. Truth. Yeah. Wasn't well, that what a bass player does? You support the song yes. that you're playing at the time. Yeah, totally. The approach, you know. Totally. And you and you and you you help breathe life into it and hopefully in a way that only you can do. Right. You know. See, it's the length of the note that matters. I was right. I was right. The length of the note is a big <laughs> one because it allows you to Here, I'll I'll I'll, I'll dictate it. I'll, I'll I'll play it. If you just do this. Okay. There's a certain amount of rhythm there. If you go, I just told you that the feel is that 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 right that, without actually playing anymore. Mm -hmm. If I go, I just told you it's a shuffle. And 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 especially with country music, like if you're going. That sets that tells one story, but yep, yep, tells yeah. a totally different story. Um, 
and sets a different kind of bounciness and playfulness to it. Yeah. Or, it, or it's kind of like a more of a classic tradition to it. Yeah. Or novelty uh, song versus a, a, a heartfelt, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Totally. Very much so. Yeah, let's jam on something and then we'll get out of here. Cool. What's this song called? Uh, this one's called Get Off the Grid. All right. This doesn't really have that much to do with traveling, but uh, the vibe is a traveling song. And it's about uh, the world is getting crazier and it's harder and harder to take and, and uh, survive in the mayhem. Yeah. So I would, this is like a little tongue-in-cheek deal with that. Every once in a while I'll say, man, this is just nuts. i got to get off the grid. <laughs> and yeah. one of the great things about touring is you end up in places like Joshua Tree and like I did a gig in the Arctic Circle in Finland one time Dude, where you're yeah. like in these tiny little towns and it's like, yep, or like an hour outside of Missoula, Montana. Like I should just forget about all the crap I have to deal with and just, yeah, and just go out here. to the country and start over. Anyway, Ice fish. So yeah. here's Get Off the Grid. Cool. Uh, Nice. 
I love those hard endings when I jam. Ted Russell Camp. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, That's thank right. you. Thank you again for having me as a guest. Yeah, thank you so you. much, man. And if uh, we can catch you online or in concert, where do people go to, to find you? Uh, TedRussellCamp.com. So that's T-E-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. And then K-A-M-P is my last name. And please be in touch, and I hope you enjoy cool. the Cool. Ted Russell Camp, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, man. That was great, bud. Yeah, buddy. So there it was, ladies and gentlemen, my return to the podcast interview format of the California Country Show, my interview with Ted Russell Camp. I want to thank Ted for his time. It was a great morning I spent with him. Please check him out at TedRussellCamp with a K.com. And if you are in the L.A. area, uh, he's going to be playing shows with Shooter Jennings and Duff McKagan. And he's going to be in Germany, Netherlands, Sweden in December of 2019. Well, if you want to follow the California Country Show, um, hopefully listening to this podcast, you will want to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cal Country Show and online, california-country.com. And I'm going to sneak this information in because you're listening. It's going to be okay. We're going to be doing the side stage at the Oak Heart Country Music Festival, hosting a lot of great local acts. Yes, the California Country Show stage at the Oak Heart Country Music Festival on June 1st, 2019, our first run out there. I'm so excited. All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up here in Vegas. Uh, looks like the DJ is starting to get sleepy over there, so finally I'll get a chance to take a quick nap, get on stage, and head back home. The next episode is going to be with guys in Winchester. Mike Bray and John Koneski are funny, funny guys, but they write some serious country music. So stay tuned. I'm super excited to have Winchester on the next California Country Show podcast. Stand by for greatness, folks. We're back. See you next time.